Good afternoon. Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. Thanks for joining us. This afternoon's episode is titled, The Lord Pondereth the Hearts. It shall be focused on a study of Proverbs chapter 21. Before we go any further, we'll begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Your Word, and as we see David acknowledge, uh, Solomon acknowledging here that the horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. So Father, we know that it's, we, we ponder our ways and we make all kinds of plans, but we know, Father, it is You who has the final say. So we come in to seek Thy will today through, through Thy Word. May You show us what You have planned for us today. In the name of Thy Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Proverbs chapter 21. Chapter 21. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, as the rivers of water. He turneth it whithersoever he will. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. To do justice and judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. An high look and a proud heart and the plowing of the wicked is sin. The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but of every one that is hasty only to want. The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a vanity tossed to and fro of them that seek death. The robbery of the wicked shall destroy them because they refuse to do judgment. The way of man is froward and strange, but as for the pure, his work is right. It is better to dwell in a corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. The soul of the wicked desireth evil, his neighbor findeth no favor in his eyes. When the scorner is punished, the simple is made wise, and when the wise is instructed, he receiveth knowledge. The righteous man wisely considereth the house of the wicked, but God overthroweth the wicked for their wickedness. Whoso stoppeth his ears at the cry of the poor, he also shall cry himself, but shall not be heard. A gift in secret pacifieth anger, and a reward in the bosom strong wrath. It is joy to the just to do judgment, but destruction shall be to the workers of iniquity. The man that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. He that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. He that loveth wine and oil shall not be rich. The wicked shall be a ransom for the righteous, and the transgressor for the upright. It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and an angry woman. There is treasure to be desired, and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. He that followeth after righteousness and mercy findeth life, righteousness, and honor. A wise man scaleth the city of the mighty, and casteth down the strength of the confidence thereof. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue, keepeth his soul from troubles. Proud and haughty scorner is his name, who dealeth in proud wrath. The desire of the slothful killeth him, for his hands refuse to labor. He coveteth greedily all the day long, but the righteous giveth and spareth not. The sacrifice of the wicked is abomination. How much more when he bringeth it with a wicked mind? A false witness shall perish. But the man that heareth speaketh constantly. A wicked man hardeneth his face, 
but as for the upright, he directeth his way. There is no wisdom, nor understanding, nor counsel against the Lord. The horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Brenham titled, The Unity of One God in the One Church. This was preached in 1958 on December the 22nd in the evening. We'll begin at paragraph 52 up to paragraph 101. I trust you find it to be a blessing. What a day that we are living. What a time that where man has achieved and achieved until he's achieved himself these things. Now what shall he do with them? You see, Satan uses a man's head. He chose that in the Garden of Eden to take a man's head, his thinking. And he has brought that down even to the church. See, the devil takes a man's head so he can use his eye. And if you'll notice, if the man isn't genuinely born again spiritual, He'll take what he can see with his eyes. The pride of life. And he'll go many men to say he's going to, to achieve something. He wants to join church. He wants to be religious. And he'll look around till he can find the biggest church he can find. Because man wants to do something big. He wants to make a big name for himself. That's what carnal, foolish, thinking man thinks. Oh, if I can have my organization, if I can only add so many thousands to my denomination, it'll be the largest then in the land of its kind. What good does that do? But he thinks he's achieving something. Because he's adding more. I believe it was some years ago in 1944 that the Baptists had a, a slogan out. A million more in 44. And what did they have when they got a million more? Just like joining a lodge if they wasn't genuine, born-again disciples of Christ. They were just Baptists by name. Look at the other denominations, the Lutheran, the Presbyterian, the Pentecostals, all the other denominations. They're the same. They're trying to achieve something. They want to do something great. See, because it's his eye he's looking at. He thinks with his eye. And many times he don't understand that that's the thing that he oughtn't to do. But the devil takes the man's eye. He shows him something pretty. He opens his eyes to look at it. And he's got that into the church, into the intellectual thinking of man. Some time ago, this great evangelist, Billy Graham, stood here in Lowell and held up his Bible. He said, this is God's standard. And he's right. He's exactly right. Mordecai Ham, 
that advances my old Kentucky home, and I were sitting at the same table which Billy was converted under Mordecai Ham. And we were sitting there. And he said, what happened? He said, Paul went into a city and got one convert. He returned a year later and he had 30 of that one. Said, I go into a city and I have 20,000 converts. Return in a year and can't find 20. Something's wrong. And he said, you know what it is? It's you lazy preachers that sit in the buildings, your offices with your feet on the desk and don't go visit the people. I thought, Billy, that's a very good intellectual. Please don't quote me. But that isn't it. Who was the pastors that went to that one that Paul got converted? It wasn't that. It's here. Those so-called meetings today, and they are great meetings, but it only works on the intellectual part of man. A man gets under the spell of a revival, and he says, yes, I accept Christ. And he does it intellectually because he's in a great crowd. He does it because there's great ministers before him. But it's only an intellectual conception. That man can never go on. He's got to come from his mind to his heart and be born again. Or he'll never be able to stand the day. Intellectual conceptions is all right. But when you remember... When the eye looks upon it, the devil uses your eye. In the Garden of Eden, it proved that the devil chose the head of man to work in, but God chooses his heart. The devil shows him with his eyes something that he can see. And he says, seeing is believing. But when God comes to a man, he comes to his heart. And he lets him Believe things by his heart through faith that his eyes does not see. For the scripture says that the faith is the substance of things. Hope for the evidence of things not seen. God working here, Satan working here. So what good does these big schools and seminaries do anyhow? It's sometimes, not always. But too many times it pulls... From here up to here. When it ought to be taken from here down to here. In the man's heart. You know the scripture says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The old infidel and critic used to say, How foolish God was. To say that there was mental faculties in a man's heart. For there's nothing in there to think with. But about four years ago, science found out that in the human heart, there is a thinking faculty. There is a little room, a little place where there's not even a cell, a little compartment in the human heart. It isn't in the animal or no other life. But in the human heart, there is a little place. And they never could come to conclusion what it was. But finally they said this, It's the place where the soul dwells. So God does speak His words right. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is it. Not in his head. 
If God would have meant head, he'd have said head. He said his heart. What if Moses, when he come up, and Moses, God said, take off your shoes, Moses. You're on holy ground. What if Moses said, now, wait a minute, Lord, I, I know you meant my hat. I'll just take off my hat. That's more reverent. He never said hat. He said shoes. That's what he meant. You never meant shake hands and join the church. He said, you must be born again. That from above. Not put your name on a book, but be regenerated. And your soul changed. Your entire being made new again. Now, when man has never had that experience, he's still a son of God in creation. A fallen son of God. That's the reason he can take wood and make buildings. He can take iron and make machinery. He can take jewels and make watches. What can he do? He can take something that's out of the original creation and pervert it from its original stand to make something great. But he cannot create. Only God can create. Him alone. And we notice in this stand that Satan choosing the man's head. He took his intellectual part. And now the churches begin to move in the intellectual parts of a man. Oh, it's a great church. We have a great denomination. We're the oldest in the country. But brother, until that man or woman or boy or girl is thoroughly converted, he'll take them intellectual conceptions and say the Bible don't mean this and it don't mean that. The days of miracles is past and there is no such a thing as these other things. There, that, that's not right, he say. And the days is past because he's intellectually looking at it. Let that same man take what little knowledge he has in his head and give it over to God. Let the Spirit of the living God come down into Amen. that heart of His. He'll call every word of God the truth Amen. and ever promised it on Then He can achieve for God. You see that little part compartment in a man's heart? God made that in there for Himself. That's His control room. He sits there to control you. That's his place. That's where he sends his messages from the control room. How can he work with you when the nature of the spirit of the devil is in there? And every man born on earth is born in sin, shaped in iniquity, come to the world speaking lies. That's right. So in that carnal Adamic nature, how can a man achieve anything only go through his intellectuals? But when he comes to be a new creature and the old man is passed out and the new man, Christ, takes his throne in the human heart, then life looks different. Then he starts on a new road from his own selfish motives to the big ideas to make himself something big. He starts right towards Calvary to recognize God. And his all is his objective, his motive, his achievement, and all that he is lays in the glory of the cross where Christ paid the price for human life. Christ is our life. 
That's why Jesus said, except the man be born again, he can't even understand the kingdom of God. You can't do it. It's not in you to do it. Then, why did God make that little place? He made it so you could be filled in there. You've got to be filled with something. You can't be a human being without being filled. The time has come where you're forced to make a decision. And that's now. Because it's forced all over the earth. I've heard ministers get up with charts and try to explain what the mark of the beast was. But some kind of a chart. It doesn't take a chart. The scripture says all that didn't receive the seal of God had the mark of the beast. There's only two classes on the earth. One's got the mark of God. The other's got the mark of the devil. And all that didn't receive the mark of God had the mark of the devil. That's what the scripture said. So you're forced to make a decision. Let me grind it into you not to be rude or, or mean, but to tell you the truth and warn you. Man's got to do something about it. It's, your, it's forced onto you. You must make a decision. Then if I can show you by God's word what the seal of the living God is, then you'll know. The Bible said in Ephesians 4.30, once, many places throughout the scripture, that the Holy Spirit is the seal of God. Amen. Then without the Holy Spirit, you're marked on the other side. No matter how intellectual, how many denominations that you belong to, how pious and religious you are, Satan was the same thing. Satan's not some big brute with a forked tail, forked hoofs. He's a spirit. And the Bible said so cunning that he would deceive the very elected if possible. He's religious. Was not Cain just as religious as Abel was? Did not Cain offer an offering just the same as Abel did? Did not Cain build a church unto the Lord the same as Abel did? Did not Cain get down and worship just the same as Abel did? Did not Cain sacrifice just the same as Abel did? But one come by intellectual conception. He brought the flowers and the fruits of the field and made his altar beautiful. Intellectual. But Abel, by faith, Chose a lamb, for it was blood and life that taken it. And he drug him to a rock and hammered his little toe until he bled to death. God said, that's righteous, Abel. That's right. How did he come to him? By revelation, not by intellectual. Through his heart. He knew it. Jesus said, upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Spiritual revelation. Spiritual conception. Man looks upon the outside, says the scripture. God looks on the heart. You are filled with something. You might be filled with doubt. Your poor hearts may be running over with doubt. I hope not. Your hearts may be full of frets and weary. And it might be that your hearts are full of trouble. 
And it might be that you're full of religion. Intellectual, fine, perfumed theology. Belonging to the great churches that's been in existence for years. Setting back just as confident as you can be. Brother, let me say to you, you might bring members to that church until you get old and die. And you'll never do nothing but build another tower to Babel. Certainly, you can be full of foolishness. You can be full of nonsense. You can be full of anything, but you can't stay empty. The Bible says you can. The Bible said when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walks in dry places, searching rest, and then he comes back with seven other devils more worse than he was. And the last the state of that man is eight times worse than it was at the beginning. That's what happens to these meetings. When people go forth in revivals and men are just led to an intellectual conception, he goes off and joins some church and lets it go at that, satisfied, that's all right. There's nothing to all this other nonsense. We should not have it. The pastor says, oh, that's all. That was way back in another age. And the first thing you know, that devil returns back with seven other devils and he becomes a religious devil. Then he's really filled. Then he's got pride and jealousy and, and he's, he, he's even angry with the very God that wrote the Bible. He looks down there and says, These things that I do shall you also. That was for the disciples. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, said Jesus. His last commission to the church. These signs shall follow them that believe. How far? All the world. Who to every creature. These signs shall follow some of them. The scriptures that shall follow them, all of them, Amen. that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. If they shall take up serpents or drink deadly things, it shall not harm them. If they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. Amen. That's what Jesus said. These signs shall follow believers. Not negative thinkers. Not intellectual church members. But born-again believers who's come from the intellectual to the heart where God takes throne in His control room. Amen. To control your emotions. To control your faith. To control your character. God wants to fill you. Why does He want to fill you? What does He want to fill you with? He wants to fill you with Himself, the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Jesus said in Luke 24, 49. That you shall receive power. After this the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Then you'll be witness of me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Unto the utmost parts of the earth. Amen. When? When you have received your doctor's degree. When you have seen your Receive the Bachelor of Arts. No. But when you have received the Holy Ghost, then you'll be witnesses to me through this generation, the generations that are to come, and to the utmost parts of the earth. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost came from heaven like a rushing mighty wind and filled all the house where they were sitting, signs and wonders were wrought among them. And the intellectual said, Man, brethren, what can we do to be saved? 
Peter said, repent every one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promises unto you and to your children and to them it's far off even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That's what God wants you to fill with. He wants you filled with the Holy Ghost. And then you'll be united what to a church. No, sir. You'll be united what to a creed. No, sir. You'll be united to God and you and Him will be one as Him. The Father is one. God's Holy Spirit will live in you in the same works that the Holy Spirit performed when it was shared in the Christ. Jesus shall be performed in you for He said He would do it. Then we are one. Jesus prayed for that. In the prayer tonight, our heavenly Master prayed to the Father that we'd be one as He and God is one. And how close were they? God was the life and spirit in Him. And if we are one with Him, we will be life and spirit of Him will be in us. The earthly carnal intellectuals conception and creeds and dogmas will fade out and a new generated born again virgin experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit will take place in the human heart. Then you'll be one. Then brother will really be brother. Sister will be sister. Your objectives and your motives and all that you are and all that you ever want to be or try to be will be for the kingdom of God. No matter what church you represent, where you go or what you do. There are so many people today who says that the Holy Spirit is not real today. While tens of thousands of them and millions are saying it's not so, there's that many enjoying the blessings of it. Mostly are poor people. People who's been dejected and rejected by the world. People who's been thrown out of churches because that they believe God to be God. But they have been filled with this spirit. They are one in purpose. They're one heart. Who are those people? Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, Catholic, Jehovah, Witness, Orthodox Jew. All together they become one. Not one to a creed. Not one to a denomination. That's the working of the devil through intellectual conceptions. But the working of the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God in you. God sits on the throne of your heart in his control room, controlling your emotions and controlling your powers, controlling your conceptions and making you one with him. Amen. And fellowship and in love. And God fills you with love. He fills you with power. He fills you with the spirit. He fills you with His own divine nature. And He changes your carnal nature into His nature. Then in this, you become a new creation in Christ. Then in the love, you go out. Seemingly the birds sing different. Oh, how different it is when Christ comes. How you can look back and think, how did I ever stay away from it? How did I ever reject it? Everything's different. You have no enemies. They all look sweet. You can forgive everything that's ever been done. The bitterest of enemies, you can pray for him on the street. Put your arm around him and lift him up. 
No matter what creed, what denomination he belongs to, he's a creature who Christ died for. That's what God wants you to fill with. That's the filling. That's the kingdom. That's what we're one in. We're one then not to, not to further a denomination, not to further a cult or, or some creed. We're one to further the kingdom of God. Then we take his blueprint and every time the blessed Bible says anything, the Holy Spirit in you cries out, It's so! It's my word! As we get towards the end of this episode, we'll end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for the unity through the Holy Spirit. Where Father, people try and gather under the banner of an organization, under the banner of the United Nations, politics, but we gather under the banner of the Holy Spirit, which is shed abroad in our hearts. We pray, Father, may you have preeminence in our lives. We submit ourselves to thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you. Think about His love. Think about His love.